I think the most unique part about this challenge is that we have a wearable device that's in water. One interesting fact that most folks may not know that's kind of surprising is waves like Bluetooth waves, they don't travel through water. So while the member is in the water, we can't communicate with the watch. It really is an embedded system that's there uh, in the water, moving through the water we're trying to run. And that's really, really challenging. It's challenging to build something like that. And it's challenging to test something like that. Hi, I'm Eden Fulgo, and you're listening to How It's Tested, a monthly series where we discuss great products, how they're tested, and other stories from the testing community, featuring interviews with tech leaders, founders, testing experts, and creators. How It's Tested is brought to you by Heavybit, the leading investor in developer-first startups. For more information, visit heavybit.com. If you're interested in being a guest on this show, or if you would like to suggest a topic, find us on Twitter at Team Mobot. That's T-E-A-M-M-O-B-O-T. Today, we'll be chatting with Adam Oxner and Nick Newell, key engineering leadership team members at MySwimPro, established in 2014 as the number one fitness app for swimmers. Adam is the co-founder and CTO, while Nick is the VP of engineering. Hey, Nick and Adam, thanks so much for joining the How It's Tested podcast. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you very much. Pleasure to be here. We've been getting to know each other over the last few months of working together with our companies, but I've never actually gotten sort of the full scoop on just like the founding story of MySwimPro and how you guys came to work together as a team and would love to just learn a little bit more and have our listeners learn a little bit more about uh, MySwimPro and also maybe your backgrounds as well. Yeah, sure. So I'll start. So I'm Adam Oxner. I'm co-founder and CTO here at MySwimPro. We were incorporated in 2015, but still a small team. Uh, I think we have about 14 people on the team right now. But the founding story is, so my co-founder, Ferris Sabati and I, thought there would be a great need for delivering workouts uh, for swimmers to uh, mobile devices. So at the time, there were cycling apps and running apps, but not really a lot out there for swimmers. So we thought it would be pretty fun to build. Uh, Honestly, started out with uh, it would be fun to build a product, a software product that uh, or an app that would help people uh, swim. And my swim pros uh, mission is to help people achieve their fitness and uh, performance goals through swimming and to that end we have the my swim pro app but i'll let nick introduce himself as well yeah hi everybody my name is nick newell i'm the vp of engineering here at my swim pro uh, i have been on the team for 18 months so prior to joining my swim pro i was leading engineering teams at another large company for about 17 years a variety of experience in the telecom world. When I came to my swim pro, I did not know how to swim for fitness. I could swim for survival swimming, but I could not swim for fitness. And it's a testament to the product. Over the last 18 months, I've gone from not being able to swim 100 meters to being able to swim a mile, uh, which is pretty awesome. And so I'm learning I'm learning breaststroke and butterfly and everything now, different types of swimming, but it's been a, a wild ride. And so I lead the engineering product and design team here. And so I have a lot of uh, fun stories and thoughts on quality and quality assurance. So I'm excited to be here to chat about that today. Nick's been crushing it, learning how to swim since joining. So I've seen, we've seen a lot of progress. We've made YouTube videos about him. If you want to look it up of Nick getting better and better at swimming since he joined. But yeah, it's been great to have everyone on the team swims so that's awesome and 
Adam, I think I read online that you were a varsity swimmer in college. Is that right? Yeah, I swam at the University of Michigan. And luckily enough, after swimming, basically my whole uh, life, I still love swimming. I know some of my friends uh, got burnt out because, you know, if you do something for 20 or 30 hours a week for 10 or 20 years, you get burnt out. But I still love to swim once or twice a week. I'm not as competitive as I was anymore. I like to swim because I love being in the water, but I love using the My Swim Pro app and built it first with myself in mind. And then since people ended up loving it, we since expanded our, our mission a lot. Yeah. I guess since you guys started the company, you know, five plus years ago now, or more like eight, actually, you know, how has your vision of the platform evolved from, you know, you being a varsity swimmer and designing something for you an experienced swimmer to then also now incorporating and thinking about the product from the perspective of Nick, who, you know, you know how to swim for survival, but then how do you design a program or a product interface that makes folks that are less experienced with swimming excited to swim, but then also like reconciling that with folks who've been doing this for, you know, 10 or 20 years. Like, how do you make that all happen in the same platform? Uh, yeah, it's really challenging. We've gone through lots of pivots and even from like a very high level, uh, we were just offering like basically a, a workout library at the very beginning. And we weren't charging for it for like the first year at all. Um, and it's since expanded to be much more personalized. So I would say the introduction of our personalized training intervals, which personalizes your workout to you. So when you join our app, uh, you can say what what strokes you can swim and uh, what your speed is for each stroke, basically, more or less. And then from there, the app can recommend and tailor all of the workouts right to you. So no matter if you come in, uh, most people can just swim freestyle starting out if they're interested in the swimming laps, like kind of like the base level or front crawl, you can just say, I can only swim freestyle. And then the app will just serve you workouts uh, for freestyle. So it's uh, the personalization is what has helped us expand from writing the workouts for just one demographic or one type of swimmer to be able to adapt to many different types of swimmer. There's, there's still corners that we need to cover, but we are really proud of the progress we've made so far. I guess like in terms of the My Swim Pro platform, I know there's an iOS app and there's also an Apple Watch app. Like are is there do you guys have an Android platform? Do you guys have a web platform? Like what are all the sort of different pieces that your engineering team has to oversee? Yes, yeah, so we have an Android app and an iOS app. The iOS app also has a Apple Watch counterpart app and we have a web platform on a technical level that just it mostly services like web uh, transactions so purchases when people are subscribing to us sometimes we drive traffic to the the web platform but in terms of functionality for the end user our members it's all in the ios and android apps our premier experience is definitely in the apple watch app so well i think we'll get into the apple watch stuff a lot more later in this conversation but those are kind of the areas that our our members use we also integrate, I'll add on there, with Garmin, integrate well yes. with Garmin, where we can, similar to the Apple Watch experience, almost as good, where we can push personalized workouts to a variety of Garmin watches from our platforms, and you can swim a customized workout on a Garmin watch as well. That's really interesting. And I guess I'm curious, just 
thinking about like the changes in technology and in the industry, um, just the availability of data and syncing from one platform to another, how has that really changed in the last eight years? Like when you first started the company to like where it is today? Um, Cause I, I do, it does feel like Apple health has a lot more capabilities than it used to. And how do you kind of listen and follow those trends and those integration opportunities in and build that into your company roadmap and your product roadmap? Uh, yeah, it's a really funny story, actually. So a lot of this actually is driven by uh, waterproof hardware. So when we started in 2014, 2015, there was only like garments into a few hardware device manufacturers that made uh, swim tracking devices. And of those, the capability of developing custom software for like a third party uh, developer like us would build was very limited. So actually, when we first so we started 2015, that's the year that the first Apple Watch came out, which is now called Apple Watch Series Zero, kind of that's what people call it. Um, it wasn't built as waterproof. There was no swim tracking, but we have two hackathons here uh, internally uh, just to drive innovation and have fun kind of with the platform. And uh, so with, I think this was our first hackathon we had, I built a Apple Watch app for uh, my swim pro. It did basically the main things that it does now. It walks you through the workout, um, taps your wrist when you need to push off the wall, everything like that, shows you the time so you don't need a clock. And I've just built it internally. And then we're like, well, we can't ship this because there's no swim tracking. It's not waterproof. And then we just shelved it. And we said, that was fun. Maybe one day we'll get to build something like that. And then in 2016, the Apple Watch Series 2 came out. It was waterproof, 50 meter waterproof. And Apple, which was huge for us, Apple shipped it with swim tracking. So swim building a swim tracking system is no small feat. And in fact, we rely on the hardware. Right now, we rely on the hardware manufacturers to do the swim tracking for us. But then, so when the Series 2 came out, that was waterproof. I found that old code, that old branch that was really, really from like a year ago, basically pulled it back up and we built out the first version of my Pro on the Apple Watch. So it was ready. I think it was just like two weeks after the Series 2 came out and we were lucky enough to be selected by Apple as the Apple Watch app of the year in 2016, which was really cool. So in terms of swimming technology trends, I think a lot of it has been driven by hardware. So since then, all the Apple Watches uh, developed since then have been waterproof. Garmin has opened up their developer platform to allow us to push workouts there and read from them. But again, I, I think, and I, there's even more swimproof hardware coming on the market every year, actually. So it's very cool. Interesting. I guess from like a data accuracy perspective, I don't know how much you guys are balancing, testing all of the different series, something watches over the years, like, do you feel like the technology is getting more accurate? How does that kind of impact your product? Yeah, that's a very interesting point. Cause so, like I said, we're not building the actual measurement of uh, like laps or strokes per lap or whatever. We rely on Garmin and Apple mainly for these functions and they have been getting better. Part of it is they retrain their machine learning models, I think, every once in a while. And also the sensors are getting more accurate in hardware. But it's getting better. There's, I think Nick will agree with me that we would like it to be more accurate, but we understand it's a very difficult task. So we're not the ones building the, the lap tracking. And there's a reason for that. And it's very difficult. So we're grateful for the progress that has been made so far. 
Yeah, definitely a challenge. We, uh, For example, we just launched a feature called the test set where you're trying to go as fast as you can for 100 meters. And timing is everything for swimmers, especially at, when you get to a level of competitive swimming. So even a hundredth of a second or a thousandth of a second really matters. So we do hear from a lot of our members that it is great, but we wish it could be even greater because we got to get down to the hundredth or thousandth of a second because that does matter when you hit the wall and you're trying to get your your best time on a hundred meter swim. So Sounds like it's probably a matter of time over the next five to 10 years as things continue to progress and it only benefits your platform and you are then presented with this opportunity to integrate with all these great providers. Yeah, exactly. It just seems to be getting better every year. Even uh, at watchOS 9 that came out last year added kick detection for swimmers, which is when your arm's not even moving. It can detect when you're using a kickboard to just, which is just when you use your legs to move through the water, which has been a great addition for us and our members are really grateful for this addition. But uh, yeah, we're making great progress in this space. That's awesome. Nick, I'm curious, like with your background, having, you know, led different engineering teams, like how does um, having this hardware element that you kind of have to respond to, but also develop for, how has that sort of changed or the, the way that you've led engineering teams and worked with engineers or how has that contrasted with other teams or companies you've been part of? Yeah, good question. So it's a big challenge. There's no doubt about it. I've worked with embedded systems that are out in people's homes, but I think the most unique part about this challenge is that we have a wearable device. So that's one thing that's really challenging. But this thing is in water. Uh, we have a wearable device that's in water. One interesting fact that most folks may not know that's kind of surprising, was surprising to me when I joined the company is we still can't get waves like Bluetooth waves. They don't travel through water. So you really, while the member is in the water, we can't communicate with the watch. It's It really is an embedded system that's there uh, in the water, moving through the water we're trying to run. And that's really, really challenging. It's challenging to build something like that. But then as we uh, worked with you, Eden, it's challenging to test something like that. And so it really coming here to my swim pro, even though I've had 17 years experience testing other things in the past, and even those being embedded systems, it's truly a unique challenge. And so, like you said, the physical, the physicality of the devices going forward, they're on your wrist, they're everywhere on your body, they're moving, they're moving quickly. It really is a fun time to be in engineering to try and solve some of these problems. Uh, and I really appreciate the opportunity to be able to do this out in the wild, I mean, we're not only in pools, but we have these out in the ocean and lakes and rivers. And it's fun to, to have such challenges to, to try and solve these problems. It's really neat. I'd love to hear a little bit more about like your day-to-day, week-to-week engineering team processes. Like is the iOS app and the Android app and your backend and the Apple Watch app, are they all on the same release schedule? How is your team structured? Like are different engineers like full stack, like curious to hear a bit more about the composition of the team? Yeah, how about I'll talk a little bit about the team and then I'll let Adam talk a little bit about the release structure. So we're a, a relatively traditional agile software development team. So we have a regular daily standup. We have sprint planning every two weeks. We have a sprint demo every two weeks. We have backlog refinement. We have retro. So we have those usual practices. We are a completely remote team. Adam's calling in from New York City right now. I'm calling in from Denver, Colorado. Like we are completely remote. So our developers um, are around the world, actually. We have some that are on other parts of the world. So every day we have a daily standup. We are uh, over communicating both in Slack and together as a team to figure out what are the things that we need to do. 
and just really working well together. I'm very grateful for the team. We have a really awesome team culture. Everybody is a swimmer. Um, even if you just started when you came to the company, everybody's a swimmer. And so we work really well together to um, make sure the client is integrating well with the back end and we're sharing data. We're of course using data analytics to make sure that we're seeing the right thing out there in the field and, and uh, working well together there. So yeah, team-wise, team structure-wise, how we're approaching things, is over communication, the traditional agile software practices of a biweekly sprint and releasing on that cadence. And that really keeps us on the same page and focus and align. I'll let Adam kind of talk about under the hood, what's happening from a software perspective. Uh, yeah, so our three main platforms that we release regularly to are iOS, Android, and our backend. So for, as I think most software teams aim for, is a continuous integration and continuous deployment. Though with uh, iOS and Android apps, you can't quite like ship as soon as things get merged. So for iOS and Android, we have a weekly release cadence, which we're pretty proud of as a team, where all of the work basically that gets done through the one week gets cut into a beta. And then that goes out to our beta testers. You can sign up to be a beta tester at myswimpro.com slash beta. And uh, so that, and then the beta testers get that release for a week. Uh, and we can get analytics and feedback on that from our beta testers as, as well as our internal team. So we do also have nightly builds. So basically, Nick swims almost every day, I see. I swim like once or twice a week. But throughout uh, the week, the team members will swim on the latest code and provide feedback as well and point out any defects that might appear. So it's, it's a weekly release cadence for iOS and Android with a one-week beta soak period. And then on the back end, uh, we're slowly creeping our way through to CICD. And right now we release every Tuesday and Thursday mornings. And uh, we have a similar there's a development staging and production server on those as well that like, for example, our beta apps point to the staging before it gets to our production servers. So does actual swimming happen with like, for example, on the iOS app test flight builds, or are you guys sometimes going even earlier and there could be like, I don't know, develop, like, do you swim off the develop branch? <laughs> well, I, I do sometimes. So I'm, I'm still in the code every day. So like I said, we have alpha um, builds that go out, those go out on test flight. And that's like what most of the internal team swims with is whatever the last nightly build is on test flight will auto update overnight. And then Nick wakes up at four in the morning to go for a swim or whatever. He's, he, he likes to go very early. Um, <laughs> but, but sometimes uh, there are riskier fixes or changes that we do test before even merging into the nightly build or like experimental code that I like to just load onto the watch and go test. Yeah, it's fun. I mentioned earlier, we have one or two developers that are overseas in, in Europe. And so we'll be talking about a feature during the day here in Denver time. That feature will get developed that night in Europe while I'm sleeping. And I'll get up at 4.30 a.m., put on my watch, and it'll be on my watch for me ready to swim the next morning, like right on the alpha build there. And I'm giving feedback by 6 a.m., so that the uh, later in the day, some of the folks here in the U.S. can even solve some of the issues that we have there. So, yeah, very fast, continuous integration, continuous deployment. We have opportunities for improvement there, no doubt, but certainly very proud of what Adam has built and what we've been able to maintain from a CICD perspective, for sure. That's really interesting. How do you know, you know, because I, I feel like as a part of normal regression testing for an app, you kind of can test the functionality um, and, you know, an app crashed and like really obvious stuff, you know, you can sort of pick up. But like, 
How do you know while you're swimming that, you know, the the product is performing as expected? And what kinds of feedback do you get from your testing while daily swimming or even the beta testers? Like, are you looking at actual metrics and comparing since you guys aren't actually managing the actual data collection? Are you looking at sort of the integration of the data that comes in and whether how it compares to a prior release? Like, how do you actually know that it's working correctly? Um, I'll, I'll jump in here and then Adam, you can add in there a variety of things. So yes, we're there in the water, in the water, looking at our watch. It's giving us the data about our swim and it's telling you, you've gone 25 meters, you've gone 50 meters, you've gone 75 meters. It's giving you the time. It's instructing you on how to do your guided workout. Most of the time that's going really well. There are some times where while I'm in the water, I'm catching a defect. And there have been multiple times where I've actually paused my workout jumped out of the water, grabbed my camera, recorded the thing that I was seeing on my, on my watch, um, sent it over Slack to our team, and then got back in the water and finished swimming my workout. So yeah, that has happened on multiple occasions when I was on Alpha. So yes, while in the water, we're getting that. Then after you get out of the water, so now we're, we're uh, moving into the locker room. Now I'm looking on my phone, so I can see all of the data um, for the processed workout on my phone and see what my splits are and my lap times and how all that compares. And as a swimmer, you start to uh, get a good feel for what your times actually are in your head. So then you can compare it against what you're seeing on the watch and on the phone. And then, of course, when we get back here to the office, our home office, then you can look at more data that has come in for the workout in the back end, but also through our data analytics platforms like Amplitude and see what else is coming in there on properties that have changed and events that fired and all that good stuff. So they're kind of multiple levels weekly or even daily that we're swimming as a team when we're looking at the data. And then all of that is kind of captured within the week. Obviously, as you know, Eden, we are also working with your team, partnering with Mobot to run a test suite every single week that is taking a different angle on that, that is saying, hey, last week when I ran this test, I saw this screen on the Apple Watch. This week when I run this test, I am seeing this screen on the Apple Watch. What's going on? Because with all of this um, huffing and puffing and panting in the water when I'm tired, sometimes we miss things. So. That's why we have Mobot to catch those things on a little bit more, a uh, little bit more disciplined um, basis. Every week we're testing beta that way as well. So that's kind of my perspective, Adam. I don't know if you want anything onto that. I'll add that the most frustrating thing when you're using a product during a workout is for it to fail right in the middle when you're like working so hard, you're out of breath, there's not a lot of blood in your brain, and then like things go wrong. And we experience that. Uh, probably as as an internal team, probably more than hopefully more than our um, everybody else does that uses our product because we are using riskier builds before they get out to production. So I've been part in many swims where my watch will just like stop the workout and I just am left floating in the pool figuring out what to do. So we feel the pain of our our members that our members do in the pool as well, and we know how difficult that can be. And we find that that really helps us prioritize the defects that we're seeing too. So um, besides just catching them is prioritizing them and feeling empathy for our members. And because we're dog fooding our own product that I, I think really shows in how our first priority is making sure you're getting through the workout and then all the rest of the stuff can come later. Yeah. You guys touched on like CICD, you have Agile, um, you run a lot of best practices that a lot of other engineering teams are doing. But what are sort of parts of 
DevOps methodology or engineering best practices that you've had to specifically adapt or change or throw out because it wouldn't apply to the kind of product that you're developing that has all of these real world complexities? Oh, wow. That's a good, that's a good question. In general, kind of the biggest challenge we have that others may not have this challenge because they're not a wearable device that's in the water is just automated testing on the platform on a simulation. So you uh, mentioned this earlier, Eden, about how physical the device is. Believe it or not, there's not a ton of advancement in quality assurance in a wearable device, especially when it's in the water and you can't communicate with it. So that's actually the biggest reason why we partnered with Mobot was because there aren't a lot of options out there to be able to test a wearable device. Mobot is one great option using actual robots to, to test a watch. And so some of the things that you could do where you could release, like you hear about Netflix and these other big engineering success stories that are releasing every minute, every five minutes, every 10 minutes, we can't have enough automated testing to do that. We, we just can't. We have to insert manual testing into it. As Adam and I have spoken, our team, literally our team doing alpha testing in the water every day, every week. We have a beta community that's testing on a one-week soak period that Adam mentioned that's happening for a week. We have mobile testing. It has to be a balance for us between automation and manual testing. And there will always be that balance until, well, until the robots get way more advanced where we can literally have them swimming in the water and they're waterproof. The whole robot's waterproof. So because of that, like Adam and I love to go fast. I love to go fast. Adam loves to go really fast. And uh, we're kind of blocked a little bit by our ability to do automated testing for everything. So we have a good balance of automated and manual testing. I would say that kind of prevents us from doing the best practices of everything of DevOps when you read the stories of DevOps and CICD out there. Yeah, I agree. I think the, the the biggest difference is the Apple Watch and or the device connectivity. So it makes it really hard to move fast when you're trying to test and even simulate like connection lost and stuff. I think the industry has some ways to go on, on tooling, which is where Mumbot really helps us out. Do you guys have unit tests that you write um, that are more uh, maybe for like API level testing or um, sort of code level tests that are also running on every uh, PR uh, pull request before it actually gets put into the mobile builds? Yeah, exactly. So every pull request that gets open, there's a suite of tests that run against it. We do have unit tests running. And then we have API tests on our backend as well that tests so it deploys to a dev server and hits those before promoting it to staging, before promoting it to um, production every week, so or every day really. So yeah, it it does start with uh, the unit testing and the code, and propagates through there. And I guess at the end of the line, the people testing in the pool is the probably the most important part for us. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I'm glad that Mobot gets to be a part of this journey in creating this product. It's it's very unique. I think there's a lot of really interesting um, features that you guys have specifically for swimmers, and it solves a very important use case that it, you're right. There's so many of these other apps out there that do like jogging or biking or running, but like there, there hasn't been enough uh, visibility and, and accessibility for actual swimming tools like this. So it's been a, a privilege to just see how much the product has evolved over the last few months that we've been working together. Looking back through all of these advancements that we talked about, you, you know, you talked about kick detection, you talked about just like more accurate timing. 
Do you feel like the pace of the hardware that's being developed by these other companies, whether it's Garmin or Apple, have they basically kind of been, you know, what you expected these trends to be like? And I'm curious, like, what features are on your wish list for the next three to five years that you hope will be developed that you can then integrate with? Uh, yeah, I think uh, for my part, I've seen the hardware come a long way. So, in fact, I've been impressed by the hardware itself and how quickly it's been moving. Um, one, uh, I don't know how to get around this challenge, but so most screens are capacitive touch screens. And if you know you try to touch your phone screen when your finger's wet, it doesn't work very well. So imagine Apple Watch has a capacitive touch screen. So when you're in the pool, you can't use the screen at all. It just doesn't work. So Apple Watch has a feature called Water Lock, which does a great job for what it does but we would love a better way to interact with the screen. There's buttons. So for example, Garmin has tons of buttons. Apple Watch just added the action button on the Apple Watch Ultra, um, which has been fun to develop for. So we would love more ways to interact with a device when you're in, in the water. And like Nick said, though, we're limited by physics because Bluetooth waves don't travel more than an inch underwater, I think it is. And Wi-Fi only goes like a foot maybe, I think, or maybe two feet. So we are limited by physics. I think what I would like to see a quicker pace of innovation on is probably the software and swim detection. This is very selfish for us. So obviously we're very focused on lap detection for swimmers. And there's a lot of other types of things that this hardware needs to be able to do. But uh, we would love uh, more accuracy for lap detection. Like one of the metrics we track is like percent uh, of lap coverage. Like how many laps did the, the Garmin tell us that person swam versus how much how many laps did the person tell us that they swam and comparing those? We would love to get that closer to 100%. Um, and like Nick said, seconds count for swimmers are less than a second. So more accuracy there. I'm sure we will see continuing involvement in the, the models that are tracking or doing the, the lap detection for swimming. Yeah. Out of curiosity, and I'm sure you guys have analytics about this or you've done some product and UX research, but I would assume that like most of the time, the athletes that are using your product, like viewing the workouts, Nick, you were saying earlier, like you do that afterwards when you're in the locker room and you're scrolling through and making sure everything's, um, you know, kind of like as you expected. But the actual interaction with the watch is more just like starting, stopping, pausing the workouts. It's not like people are doing a full analysis or like really intensive UX stuff on the actual watch itself. Is that right? Uh, mostly right. But you might be surprised how much a swimmer is looking at the watch and looking at some of the metrics during the swim. So obviously, probably not while they're in the middle of a stroke. But we hear from a lot of members that the moment they touch the wall, they know exactly the time that they see on their watch. The moment they touch it, it's like I'm reaching out with my right hand. And I actually I did that this morning. I, I swam 100 meter breaststroke, which I've only done one other time. And I was trying to get a best time. So the moment I hit the wall, I looked at my watch and it said 152. Well, it wasn't then until about 10 minutes later when I got into the locker room where I opened up my phone, I looked at it, and it was exactly 152. But I knew in my mind it was 152 because I saw it on my watch. So you might be surprised how many swimmers are looking at their watch more often during a workout to see some of the metrics that are in there because that's very important to them. The timing is very important to them. And we even uh, there's competing forces for this. So we have people saying, I want more information when I'm swimming on the screen. And then other people saying, I well, and sometimes the same people saying, I can't read the screen 
the text is too small because the wearable device has such a small screen out of necessity. So it's it's a balance of providing the most most relevant information at the right time, which we're always trying to to work on. It's fascinating because I remember, yeah, like the series two or series three, you would get like a small 36 inch watch face, but now they have like the 42 and, and they're, they're also, I mean, it's, it's also similar with like phone screens have also gotten bigger too, but then there's this constraint of like, it can't go that much bigger than your wrist. So yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's a real design challenge on the watch for sure to figure out what is the best, most important information to be putting on the screen at any given time because it's very limited. Yeah. I realized that we actually didn't really have a chance to even talk about like your UX and your your design process or the other teams that your engineering team interfaces with. I know uh, we're probably running low on time, but I'd love to just hear a little bit more about that if you wouldn't mind sharing. Sure. Yeah. So we call our team EPD, Engineering uh, Product and Design. We are all on one team. The whole company is a small company, but we're all on one team. We have a full-time designer, Gisela, that is a member of the engineering team and a part of every single thing we do, member of the team. So we are design, design first. Everything we do, we design up front. We spend time on design. We iterate design. We talk about it. We review it before we ever touch the code and uh, get in there and do any code on it. So Design is a very big part of our um, experience. We uh, went through an entire redesign on on the phone app about, gosh, it's been about a year ago. That was transformational for us to be able to bring a different experience to the member. And we're always thinking about what is the member experience? We just recently in the last few months brought a, a bunch more communication to the member, thinking about it as a user experience and communication is a part of that and really trying to make this holistic experience for our members. So design in terms of like user interface, but also user experience design. What is the full experience that you get? So I'm glad you brought that up. Actually, I should have said that earlier when I was talking about the, the team makeup and how our team operates. Everything is done as a design first ahead of time. And we have the uh, the benefit, the luxury of having an amazing designer that gets things done so quickly, so high quality that we can discuss that as a team before we ever waste time in the code. So very thankful for that. I'll follow up and break on Gisela, our designer, a little bit more. So she also signed to college and she was an international swimmer, and which is really important for having, uh, or she signed an international competition. So it's really important for having good context on what works and what doesn't work for swim workouts. And I'll add one more complicated, oh, well, I guess repeat the complication of testing in the pool for design. So something that you think might be a good idea when you're sitting at your desk and you get to the pool and you're swimming, you're like, wow that text is way too small or wow, I thought that text would be motivational, but actually it just makes me want to swim slower or, you know, like, wow, it would be really helpful if this haptic was like when it taps you on the wrist, if it was stronger or shorter or longer, or this thing is distracting and you don't really know until you're like, you're in the thick of a tough workout and you have like one second or less to look at your watch and that makes a huge difference. So again, back to the manual testing in the pool, it, it means a lot to our team. It's really refreshing to just hear about the importance uh, in, in this conversation, talking with you guys, the importance of like just the human perspective. Because I feel like sometimes I have all these conversations now where, oh yeah, CICD, AB test everything, deploy and just like try it out. And if the experiment fails, we'll swap it out. But 
you know, the the intentionality that you guys take to like making sure that this is a good experience because it's different, right? The the stakes in some ways are higher, right? You have to make sure the MySwimPro users are having a great experience in the pool and it's not always that simple. And there's all these other new and exciting constraints. And I'm really excited to kind of see how the industry continues to evolve. And our team at Mobot is is watching this as well, since we'll we'll need to be prepared to support those kinds of engineering teams. We're both engineers. So hopefully it means a little extra for us to talk about the balance between human and technology, because by nature, we're going to err on technology. But hopefully it really demonstrates the importance of that balance. Hearing a couple of geeks and uh, engineering nerds talk about the importance of human interaction that's happening in quality assurance, for sure. Thank you for making the time uh, to talk about MySwimPro and your engineering team and product and design processes today. It was really awesome to get to deep dive on that. And I hope our listeners learned a lot about your company as well. Thanks for having us, Eden. It was a lot of fun. That's all we have time for today. If you're interested in being a guest on the show, or if you'd like to suggest a topic, find us on Twitter at Team Mobot. That's T-E-A-M-M-O-B-O-T. This show is brought to you by Heavybit, the leading investor in developer-first startups. To learn more about Heavybit, visit heavybit.com.